let's get to let's get to what we're going to talk about. We started a series this month called Spiritual Life Hacks. How many of you know what a life hack is? A life hack is something that makes things easier. It gives you more power, gives you more energy, gives makes you more efficient or productive. That's what a life hack is. So here's some examples of natural life hacks. And I don't know why some of them the ones I find anyway all have to do with food. That might be telling you something. Uh, but this one says put pancake mix in a ketchup bottle so it doesn't make a mess when you're pouring it into the pan. Everybody just humor me with this. Go, ooh, that's a great idea. Go to, go to another one. Uh, here's one. I thought this was pretty cool. If you have something that's smaller, I, I've hung up pictures before, and the, the holes on the back of the frame and the things you're hanging, they're never in the same spot. They're not exactly even. And this, this hack says, make a photocopy of it, and then put the photocopy on the wall as a template and just drill through those holes. Now that, you might not appreciate that, but that was one that I said, ooh, I'm going to use that. Um, Of course, it it has to be small enough to fit on a photocopier of what you're hanging on the wall. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then the the last one, this is another food one. Did you know that? Those, Those little plastic containers they give you for ketchup that you can actually pull them apart to make it hold more ketchup. Heather, Heather talks to me all the time. Uh, we, we call them fat man tips. Like, she says, someday we're going to write a book with all the fat man tips. But here, here is a, a, a bonus life hack on top of that one. Forget the little paper things and pull them apart to make them bigger. Get a lid from one of the cups they give you at the fast food restaurant and just put it on that sucker. You get enough ketchup for the whole family and then some. And, and last week I mentioned just because you see something online doesn't mean it's a legitimate life hack. Uh, here was one I saw. Here's the secret to keeping cake moist. Eat it all in one sitting. And it's, it's not going to dry out. You don't have to worry about it. So uh, anyway, what we've been talking about is we're talking about principles that release the power of God in our lives. Things that help us be more efficient, be more full of power, that that help us live better. Those are spiritual life hacks. And they're things that that we can learn, principles that we can do to position ourselves to see more of God's power flow in our lives, to be the people he's called us to be and to do what he's asked us to do. And I, I will make this commercial every single time. Principles don't replace relationship. They just help facilitate it. Are we all in agreement on that? Like, I want to learn principles. I want to do things the right way. But it doesn't take the place of having a relationship with him. Even as we were singing this morning about the name of Jesus. How many of you know the name of Jesus has power in it all by itself? Come on, you can speak the name of Jesus and things happen. But there's something. Jesus is actually more than a name. He's a person who will come and fill our lives and have a relationship with us. And I think that's part of what we need to remember, that there's power in his name, but he also wants us to know him. And so these principles we're talking about, these spiritual life hacks, do them, but don't let them replace having a legitimate relationship with Jesus and knowing who he is. Last week we talked about don't be a people pleaser and find satisfaction in Christ. So if you missed last week, you can go listen to it online. Uh, some of the stuff we're sharing in this series is, is from a book by Frank Viola called 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. If you're interested in that, you can go find it. I'll give you a link. But I want to share a couple life hacks today, spiritual life hacks, that may seem a little counterintuitive. At least they did to me when I was reading them and I had to dig into them a little bit more. But the first one, right off the bat, you may say, oh, that's, I don't know about that one. Just be patient with me. The first spiritual life hack is lower your expectations. 
Lower your expectations. And go with me on, on this for a minute. I'm not talking about your faith in God. I'm not talking about seeing his promises come to pass, knowing that they're yes and amen. I'm not talking about uh, not expecting him to move or to show up every time. This doesn't mean don't expect the best or be an optimist. Come on, I think there should be more optimists in the church than in the world. Can I get one amen in the room on that? There ought to be some of us in this room that believe things are getting better and that Jesus is on the move. More than people in the world think things are getting better. And I'm not asking everybody, this is not lower your expectations like I want us all to turn into Eeyore. How many of you know who Eeyore is? From Winnie the Pooh cartoons, well, I guess I'll do this, but it'll probably fall down. That's not what I'm talking about when I say lower your expectations. I'm talking about where we place our hope, or more specifically, in who we place our hope, and whether or not we have to see certain outcomes in our life to be happy. Have you ever met somebody like that, that their happiness is contingent upon whether or not things work out the way they expect it to? Oops, maybe I'm thinking I am one of those. Come on, that, that could be an ouch moment in church. May, may, a closely related spiritual life hack to this could be leave the results with God. Come on. Just you work on you and let him take care of how things look and how they work out. When I say lower your expectations, I'm really talking about people and what we're expecting out of the people around us, the circumstances, how things work out. If the condition of my soul is tied to what somebody else does or how they treat me or how things work out, then I've missed the point. I need to go back and reevaluate my expectations. Come on. I love you guys so much, but my happiness is not contingent upon whether or not you show up every Sunday. There's only one person that I'm interested in him being here every Sunday, and he comes every time because he's faithful. But I haven't tied things. I haven't tied my happiness to what's around me. Because here's, here's a truth. Here's a reality. If you are alive, break, check your neighbor. Just poke them to make sure they're still breathing. If, if you need to get a little mirror out and put it in front of their mouth to see if it's, there's still oxygen going in and out. Come on, if you're alive, you will be let down at some point. This is not, I'm not prophesying that over you. That's just a reality of life. That's what happens. You'll get let down by yourself. You'll get let down by the people around you. You'll even get let down by Christians. (laughs) That was a pro. That was a very loud amen there. Come on, it's, it's true. We, we think the other people around us, we're, we're expecting them to give us all this grace and mercy, and we're expecting them to act just like Jesus. Like, <laughs> put up with my faults, but you be perfect. Come on, Christians even will let you down at some point. Man, I never thought they would act like that because they say they're a Christian. It's going to happen. How we deal with that is what matters. How we take that is going to determine what happens in our life. Sometimes we even just get let down by the results didn't work out the way I wanted. And this is what Jesus had to say about it. This is actually a very famous verse in John 16, 33. He said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart for I have overcome the world. He says, take heart. Literally means be filled with courage. Don't be daunted. How many of you, when somebody says, how are you doing today? Has anybody ever said, I'm daunted? <laughs> Who uses that word anymore? I don't, I don't even know, but, but that's part of the definition is don't be daunted. Don't be discouraged. Those situations might not change, but how you go through them can change. You can be filled with courage. You can be filled with hope. No matter what happens in the outcome, Jesus is still faithful. The point, though, of that verse is Jesus never promised that life would be perfect, that it was going to be easy that everything would work out just the way you wanted it. 
How many of you want your money back from Jesus now? Come on, I signed up for something different. I thought it was all going to be a bed of roses, but you're saying stuff is still going to be hard. How many of you know that's true? I've seen, I see enough heads nodding at me that we are in the same page about that. When the difficulties of life come, if our expectations are in certain outcomes or certain things happening or people performing a certain way, we are going to experience disappointment. Disappointment is just a feeling. It's just an emotion. It's not bad if you're disappointed. Come on. You're not, you're not going to hell. You're not a tool of the devil because you've had disappointment enter your life. How we handle it is another thing. We need to deal with our disappointment because if we don't deal with our disappointment, what happens is disappointment leads to frustration. And frustration can lead to anger. And then we get cynical. And how many of you know those things, those feelings I just described, that anger, that cynicism, that frustration, that drains the spiritual power out of your life because it's the exact opposite of what God is trying to produce in our character. Man, here's the secret to this life hack. Build your life on appreciation rather than expectation. How many of you can see the difference in that? When, where, where unmet expectations can drain spiritual power out of our life because we get disappointed and angry, appreciation releases power in our life because it gives us joy. It supplies thankfulness. Thankfulness ushers us right into the presence of God. There's something about enter his gates with thanksgiving. There's something about thankfulness that invites his presence. And if, if we have expectations, if they're too high or we think things ought to work out, how many of you know it's hard to be thankful for something that you think you're owed? I'm entitled to that. I, that should work out this way because I paid my dues. Hard to be grateful and appreciate things in that moment. But if we position ourselves, if we view everything that comes into our life as a gift, man, it changes us. It causes thankfulness to well up in our hearts. It makes us more of a tender person. It makes us more of a broken person. It causes us to be able to deal and and sympathize and empathize with what other people are going through. There's something about looking at, man, I didn't deserve, I'm not owed any of this, but every single thing that's come to my life It's a gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Here's the balancing act of this one. Lower your expectations. Uh, That that sounds unrealistic, but but lower your expectations, but have confidence in God's people. There there is a balance here. Here's, Here's what I mean by that. I have confidence that you guys are generous and that we're going to give to missions next week. I have confidence that you guys do things because the Spirit of God lives in you. But I'm not going to be disappointed if we don't give a certain amount. Or if you don't do we. I'm, going to, I'm including myself in this. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm not putting my hope in we're going to do the right thing every time. I have, I have confidence in God to produce his character in each one of us but I'm not going to be disappointed if it doesn't look right every time. Does that make sense to you guys? We, we can lower our expectations, but we still have confidence in God and his work and people. I'm going to have gratitude for whatever we give next week, regardless, because it's going to bless a missionary friend that we support every month. Paul was an example of this all the time. Have you guys actually read what's in some of his letter to the Corinthians? 
Come on, there's some stuff in there. This is what I mean by lower your expectations, but have confidence in God's people. Paul wrote in this letter. He said, you guys are amazing. You have spiritual gifts flowing in your church. You're generous. You, you committed to this offering. It's going to be amazing. I love your church. But Paul, I know his expectations weren't unrealistic because he didn't quit the ministry when he also had to include in that letter, man, you guys have been sleeping around. You've got people who are getting drunk during communion. You've got people in the church that are denying that Jesus was raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, he actually says that to them. There's people among you that say Jesus didn't even resurrect. Come on, he had those two things in tension. He had confidence. You guys are amazing, God. The Spirit of God lives in you. You can do incredible things. But he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't get disappointed when they failed over and over again. That, that can be a hard line to walk sometimes. I expect great things, but I'm not going to be disappointed if, if we don't do the right thing every time. Can I tell you that's how Jesus treats us? Here's, here's a verse for you in 2 Timothy 2.13. It actually says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Everybody say, thank God. Because I know I don't get it right all the time. There's times when it feels like I'm being unfaithful to what he's asked me to do, but he never changes. He's faithful no matter what I do. Being Christ-like includes a landslide of grace. Come on. There's just something that, that he forgives us. He has mercy on us. He gives us grace even when we don't deserve it. And then he asks us to be like him towards others. I don't think Jesus did disappointment. I, I feel like we've said that before. He literally sat with a group of his 12 closest friends, and he said, hey, guess what? You guys are all going to run away and leave me. And you, you're actually going to deny that you even know me. Not just once, but three times. Come on. He told them in advance. How can you be disappointed if the exact thing that you were expecting happens? He told them up front, you're going to do this, then it happened. I don't think Jesus was disappointed. He just knew who people were. And even knowing that, he washed their feet. He had a meal with them. He said, I love you. Here's my body. It's given for you. This, this cup is poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins. How do you do that? It's because he didn't do disappointment. And I think he's asking us to interact with each other that way too. It's okay to say that's hard. <laughs> that, that may be an amen. That may be an outro. That may be a that's a hard one. I need the Holy Spirit to help me do that. But if Jesus didn't do disappointment, maybe we shouldn't do that with other people either. Here, I'll give you one last quote to finish this life hack. Uh, A.W. Tozer actually said, He knows the worst about you and is the one who loves you the most. Woo! Man, thank you, Jesus. He knows every single thing about me and he loves me more than anybody else does. That's an amazing thought to wrap our minds around. Uh, so if you need to look at your life and say, maybe I've had some unrealistic expectations, that's something you could do this week. Say, God, help, help my trust, my expectations be in you and not anybody else around me and not how things should work out. Uh, here's another spiritual life hack for you. I, I told you I was going to share a couple that, that were counterintuitive. And I saw this one and I had to think about it for a little bit. Uh, this spiritual life hack says, be a reservoir not a canal. How many of you have ever heard the phrase of be a river, not a pond? 
You ever hear that about the stuff God gives you? You're supposed to let it flow through your life and not just hold it all for yourself. And I saw this be a reservoir, not a canal. And I'm like, there's, if he's saying that, there must be something to that. Because I think both of those statements are true. We're supposed to be a river, not a pond. But reservoir and canal, what's that mean? There may be better metaphors, but I appreciated this one the more I thought about it. A canal simply lets water flow through it from one place to another. It gets rid of stuff as soon as it gets it. It doesn't take the time to let any of it soak in. A reservoir fills up until it overflows and gives water to everybody. And I thought of that picture, that, that people who are canals, if you're, if you're thinking about this metaphor, people that are canals, they're always in a hurry. They have no time to be filled. Come on. Those times when, when we're sitting in worship and, and there's, we're wondering, why aren't we moving on yet? You know those are moments to be filled to just sit in his presence and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to focus on you. I'm, I'm not going to even think about my to-do list, what else is on the schedule this afternoon. I'm just going to take some time with you. But people who are canals, they never have time for that. They're always on to the next thing. They're always in a hurry. They do more speaking than listening. They, they have to tell you, this is, this is what's happened. I want to teach you something before they've even really let it work in their lives. People who are reservoirs, are aware that we need to be filled. People who are reservoirs are patient with the process. How many of you know sometimes it takes a while for that reservoir to fill up to the point where it's that can actually supply water to everybody? People who are reservoirs let what God is speaking work in them first before they ever give it to anybody else. Here, here are two thoughts that live in tension with each other in Scripture. Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Or you could use Matthew 10, 8 of freely you've received, freely give. The, the principle is we are supposed to give away what we've been given, right? Making sure you're all still with me and you haven't moved on to lunch in your minds. The, that is the one side of the tension is we are supposed to give away what we've been given. It's not for us to hoard it or keep it to ourselves. But here is the other side of that. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk with wine because it makes you lose control. Instead, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Everybody say, keep on. See, we're practicing for 70s night already. Keep on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, groovy. I don't, if, if you haven't seen it, that makes me think, if you haven't seen it yet, go see Jesus Revolution. That's, it's an amazing movie that's out right now about the, the Jesus movement that happened in the 70s and swept across the nation. It's amazing. Uh, and I don't, that's, that's a free commercial. I don't get any kickbacks for that. I'm just saying you'll be encouraged if you see it because Jesus can do it again in our day and our generation. So on one hand, we're supposed to give away what we've been given, but then Scripture says be filled first. And that, that verb in that, in that Ephesians 5.18, if you study that, the verb there implies an ongoing repeated action. It's, it's like your car. You don't fill the gas tank just one time and drive for the rest of your life. Yeah, I wish. I'm, I'm not even going to go there because I know what gas prices have done. I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, not gas that you put in your car. But it's a very similar picture. You don't fill up one time and then think, oh, great, this is going to last me the rest of your life. Paul says, continue to be filled with the Spirit. Position yourselves where, where you can be filled with Him. How do you do that? You ask Him for it. That's a good start. Luke talks about ask, seek, and knock, and the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who are seeking it. You can spend time in his presence. That's another way to do it. Just, just come with an attitude in worship of saying, God, I know you're here and you're going to fill me. 
I'm, I'm ready, Lord Jesus, my heart's open. That's one way to do it. Spend time with them. Have believers lay hands on you. How many of you know that's a very biblical, scriptural thing that you can do to be filled again with the Holy Spirit is have a believer lay hands on you and just say, Lord, fill them. God, and it's not about the person praying for you. It's about the Father coming through them and and pouring out everything that you need. There's a bunch of different ways we can be filled. Don't put it in a box Come on, don't, don't think there's only one way to ever be filled. Look for constant opportunities to obey that verse. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit all the time. Filled people can fill people. Can I say it that way? You're, you're wondering, well, why do I need to be filled? It's hard to give away something we don't have. You, you could sit all day long and run the pump in a dry well and you're not going to get any water. But filled people can fill people. And I think Jesus wants to send a bunch of filled people into the world to start pouring out his spirit into the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I don't know about you, but I have experienced in my life times of trying to pour out and give away when I'm not really filled. And you know what happens? You get tired. You get worn out. You start trying to do things in your own strength. But the times when I remember to stop and say, Lord, fill me again. I I need your presence. I need your spirit to fill me to be able to do this. Those are the times when it becomes easy to just pour away and give away what he's given you. Think about Jesus' example because we always, we always go back to making it all about Jesus. He spent 30 years in preparation before he taught anything to anybody else. He spent uh, time in the river with John the Baptist, getting baptized in water and having the Holy Spirit fill him without measure before he did any recorded miracles. And even after he started his public ministry, this is what it says in Luke 5, 16, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Come on, if Jesus needed to prepare himself, if Jesus needed to get away to pray and to be filled, what makes us think that we don't need that? Come on. The one who is the example for all of us took the time to get away with the Father and be filled. It says he withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. I have a sneaky suspicion that Jesus' times of prayers weren't just going in with his I need list. Oh, everybody in church, we're too proper to say that we do that with God. Come on. How many of you have ever done that? We get in a pinch, God, here's my list. I'm here to pray. Let's pray. Here's the stuff we need. That's fine. There's times and seasons to do that. God knows our needs even before we ask him. It's good to vocalize them, make them known. But I have a feeling that a lot of Jesus' prayer times are like, oh, Father, it's so good just to be with you. Oh, thank you for this refreshing. Thank you for filling me so I can give way to others. Lord, Father, what do you want to do in this situation? I think Jesus did a lot of that. I have, I have a suspicion he did way more than, than we do. And please... I'm, it's not, it's not a heavy, it's not a guilt trip if you're thinking, man, I, I haven't even set a prayer time in my calendar. I'm just saying, make some time with the Father just to say, if nothing else, forget the, the I need list or the shopping list, whatever you want to call it, and just say, I'm, the, I'm here for you. That's what the agenda is today. God, I just want to spend some time with you and see what happens when he fills you.
I, I think we need to be filled before we give away. There's a scriptural principle to it. Second uh, Timothy two six says it is the hardworking farmer who labors to produce who must be the first partaker of the fruits. There's something about being filled first before you give away. How many of you guys watch cooking shows? What what are what are the big ones? Top Chef, Iron Chef, the Great British Baking Show. How many of you like that one? That's pretty cool. There's a bunch of cooking shows out there. Have you ever seen them take a plate to the judges and the judge tastes it and then they make a face? Did you taste this before you gave it to us? Come on. How many of you know that's a real thing? Like if you're cooking something, a good idea before you give it to other people is you taste some of it to see how it is. Can I tell you it's the same way with the Christian life? We're we're not called to tell people about Jesus because we read about him in a book. We're called to tell people about him because we've experienced him and we've seen him move in our lives. That verse where it says the the hardworking farmer first partakes of the fruits, this is what Charles Spurgeon actually said about this verse as part of his commentary. He said, until we have first tasted that the Lord is gracious, we cannot properly minister the things of God. What a thought. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We do that first, so then we can turn around to give it to others. That's the principle of this spiritual life hack. Be a reservoir. Be filled up first before you pour it out to others. Don't be a canal where it's like, oh, I just got to do the stuff and get it through and, and make it happen. Spend time with them. Be filled first, and then you'll find, man, I'm able to give life to other people around me. Let's go ahead and stand together. If I could have the team come back up. This is, this is the action item I have for you this week. And uh, you can do this later, or you can do it before you leave today. But the action item for this week is be filled. Maybe you can say that's pretty easy. That sounds, sounds simple. Look at, look at your neighbor and tell them, be filled. We're going we're gonna to make some time to do that before we leave today. Uh, here's a couple different ways that that, that could happen. Uh, there are going to be some people from the ministry team over by the cross and in the back in the corner there. If you want to be filled by having somebody lay hands on you and pray for you, that's a good opportunity to do that. Maybe, maybe you've never experienced the baptism of the Spirit. Maybe you just need a refreshing in your life and you want somebody to actually pray for you and lay hands on you. That's a legitimate way you can be filled. So you can do that with the ministry team. Maybe you just want to sit and soak for a little bit as the team plays and as we're worshiping. That's a legitimate way to be filled too. However you can position yourself to meet with God, to focus on him and say, God, do whatever you want to do in me. I'm here for you this morning. That's what we're going to do these next few minutes. And uh, I will say, if you're in the room this morning and you've, you don't even know Jesus, you've never started a relationship with him, you don't know what it means to be filled, come and meet him this morning. The, the team up here over by the cross, they'd love to pray for, with you and introduce you to Jesus and tell you what it means to actually have the life of the creator of the universe living inside of us. Doesn't that sound pretty exciting? The creator of everything comes and makes his home with us. You can do that this morning if you've never done it also. But I'm going to pray for us. The, the team is frantically looking at each other like, what should we play right now? Because we weren't ready for that. Uh, no, we're good. You're good. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. You can be dismissed. If you've got something you need to get to or you feel like you want to leave, you're free to do that after I pray. But if you want to just stay 
and just be in his presence for a minute as, as we sing together, as we worship. Maybe you just want to sit on, the, on your chair and go like that. That's, that's fair game. But Father God, we thank you that you are here in this place today. The moment we turn our attention to you, we realize you're right there, that you've been there all along with your arms wide open, your presence surrounding us. God, I ask that as, as we linger in this moment, as we look to you and we keep our eyes on you, I just ask that you would fill us once again, Lord God, all over this room this morning. Just let your spirit saturate our lives. God, I ask that we would be ones that have truly known and experienced you so that we can give away something that we've been given. God, we honor you this morning. We thank you for your work in our lives. Continue to cause us to look and act and be just like Jesus in this world. We give you the glory this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are free to leave if you need, but you're also free to stay. And let's just worship together.